Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Jake McGee and Dave Somerville. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Glad to be back. Yes, Glad to good. have you back. Guys, very good to have you back, Dave. We missed you over the last last couple of shows. Obviously, we, we had to do two shows in a in a like a sort of three, four day span because we were late doing the, the previous week's show. So we did our AFC West deep dive. We did our NFC East deep dive. This week we've got the NFC North deep dive, so I hope you've been swatting up on that one, obviously. Uh, of course, we've also got the news and we've got some random stats to come up for you later on. Uh, but, we, you know, we're going to start with the news. Uh, Jake, we're going to hand it over to you. What is the news around the NFL this week? Okay, so it's been slightly busier than uh, the previous week. We actually have a bit of news. There was a trade. Um, just a small one, but Patriots trade their 2019 first-round pick, Nikhil Harry, um, to the Chicago Bears, who we will talk about a bit later. It's just for a 2024 seventh-round pick. Um, there's lots of rumors about him being released and kind of falling out the picture. It makes a lot of sense for the Bears in their wide receiver room, so I think it's a, a win-win, um, but not exactly a blockbuster trade. Um, talking of blockbuster trades, there was one last year for Orlando Brown, and it's looking ever more likely uh, that he's going to be holding out at training camp. Um, not expected to come to an agreement on a long-term extension, and he's yet to sign his franchise tag, which I believe ends on Friday. Um, but yeah, for me, the Chiefs have to get this one sorted. They traded last year a first, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Uh, for Brown, they got a second and a sixth back, but they gave up a lot for him. Um, and they seem to be, from the reports, are quite a, a way off in terms of an agreement. But I'm sure they will get it done. It is just a, a, a case of money, but definitely something that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid will want done sooner rather than later, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny when you see t- uh, players that teams trade you know, a lot of capital for. And then, you know, within a year or two years, they're trading them away again for what seems like very little return. Um, I, I mean, you you look at, I mean, the obvious one, of course, is Carson Wentz going to the Colts. Um, and they gave up, what did they give up for Carson Wentz? A first rounder and a second rounder or something like that? Definitely a first. And the then Colts. they traded him for a third round. No, they got two thirds. And, oh, sorry, sorry, two thirds. I beg your pardon, two thirds. But you've got to think that's that's a loss. Uh, from from the Colts' point of view, on investment, it's not a great investment. And I mean, you you spoke about Nikhil Harry. Then we got what seventh was that seventh? You said that they're getting for Nikhil yeah, Harry. They were going to release him. So again, to, to get anything, I suppose the Bears basically paid a seventh to not let him hit, you know, the waivers. Well, I suppose that is that. And when you get into the later rounds, you know, let's be honest here, sixth and seventh round picks aren't really worth that much. So if you're getting a, a an established NFL player for a seventh-round pick, because every seventh-round pick that you take is essentially a punt. You've got no idea whether or not they could even make it in the NFL. So if you get someone that you think, well, at least we know he's he can perform to some capacity in this league, for a seventh-rounder, that's absolutely worth it, in my opinion. I mean, uh, Dave, what do you reckon on that? Do you think it's worth taking punts on, on players like that if you can just trade a seventh-rounder for them? I mean, it goes back to what we've said in previous shows that, you know, quite often, well, from my point of view anyway, proven talent is much more valuable 
than potential talent because you know what you're getting. You know what the package that you're getting in for, I think it was a seventh round in 2024, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you get an experienced wide receiver who can still do a good job for you. Um, I think just unfortunately it's for the Bears and I think they need a lot more than uh, Harry to to get out of a potentially really bad season. But I'm sure we'll get into that a lot more. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, you could even apply the same argument to uh, Brown as well at the Chiefs because um, you, you, you know what you're getting with him. The only thing is, is that from from what I've seen online on Twitter, that he's looking for about twenty five million a season. Um, now, if that was not discussed before that trade, then I would I would be really surprised because I think the Chiefs should have done a lot more due diligence on on what what he wanted and what what was most likely to be agreed kind of thing. So, um, if they are very far off, I would be very disappointed um in the backroom uh, of the chiefs because i think they should have done their homework a lot better I've, every time we talk about the chiefs making any trades i always come back to the thing that you know i trust andy reed i trust him to make mm-hmm. the right do yeah. you know do you know something i have no idea who the general manager of the chiefs is uh, Brett Veach. I, I, I have no idea i couldn't tell you and yeah. that that is a testament to the job andy reed is doing I mean, it really is. When when you think about, you know, every time you talk about teams, you know, with signings and if if the coaches, you know, if they're not doing particularly well, we always say, you know, we look at the general manager. Well, he's the man in, you know, he's in charge of the signings. The obvious, obvious exception, I should say, would be, um, of course, you know, New England with Bill Belichick. Um, but, you know, we, we sit here and go, oh, you know, they made this signing, made that sign. You know, what's the general manager doing, you know? Andy Reid's just doing his thing, and I'm pretty sure that the general manager in Kansas City is like, you know, I trust you. Do your thing. Not, not to pat my, not to pat myself on the back, but it is Brett Veach. Oh, pulled that out. Oh, pulled out. Just, that. <laughs> Do you know what? Pat yourself on the back there, Jake, because I had no idea, like zero. If that if that had come up in an episode of Pointless, I'd have been sitting going, no, no idea. Don't know who that is. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a testament to how these things go. We look at the signings of players to to certain teams. Now you you know we're going to look at the Bears later on, as you've said, Dave. We'll discuss the Bears later on with with the signings in the NFC North deep dive. But then there are certain teams where they make a signing or they make a move, and we you know we second guess it, but you still trust the person making the decision that they know better than we do. And that's not always the case. <laughs> we can I think we can all agree on that, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that the, the Chiefs know exactly what they're doing, and I, I think that this will work out just absolutely fine for them. It always seems to do. Um, keeping it AFC West, Darren Waller is also looking for a new contract from the Sandsvits, um, and I don't blame him after saying that his current deal leaves him 16th in his position, which is quite frankly criminal. Um, the Raiders this offseason have already given out a few contracts, you know, Monty Adams, Derek Carr, uh, Hunter Renfro. Um, Waller's probably sitting going, I, I assume I'm next. 16th. 16th. 16th yeah. highest paid tight end. Yeah, that's that's criminal. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to... Let's let's have a go at this, guys. 15 tight ends who'd be worth more, more money, 
than Darren Waller. Okay, so I think we can all agree on uh, Kelsey will have a bigger mm-hmm. contract, Kittle in yes. San Francisco, Mark Andrews over Mark in Baltimore. Andrews. So you know, there, there's your. If you said that that was the top three tight end contracts, now keep in mind, I have no idea what, what the actual money is for any of these guys. But if you told me that's the top three tight end contracts in the NFL, absolutely. I'm buying that. Yeah. 100%. So that's the top three. After that, Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews, there's a drop-off. And I think I, we can probably all agree on that as well. There, yeah. there There's a drop uh, in what you would expect from your tight end. But I, I'm thinking Darren Waller's probably number four. <laughs> On def- that, for me, he's top five. Definitely. On that list, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of another person, another tight end, I would put above Darren Waller. So, so bear with me. Who? Oh, now hang on. Cincinnati. Who's the one over in Cincinnati? Uzama could That's be the CJ Uzama. He's now with the Jets. Um, I'm thinking of Dallas Goddard for the Eagles. I'm trying to think of another tight end I would put ahead of Darren Waller. That if you lined them all up and you were picking, Kelsey goes. Kittle goes, Andrews goes, and I'm picking next. I, th- I think I'm taking Darren, Darren Waller, number four. I, I think so too. I, I can't, I'm trying to think. I'm racking my brain here thinking of another tight end. I mean, Higby. Pitts is very young, Oh, so did not, you know what? Yeah. I, I actually forgot. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's the only he's, one. He's I not going to be due a deal anytime soon, though. No. No, yeah, I, I, I might take Sorry, Dave, carry on. You know, I was just going to say, I think uh, Cal Pitts is more just for, he, he's he's got plenty of time to prove his caliber, but right now, as established tight ends, you, that, that would be your top three. And like you said, like both of you have just said, I don't think there's much, I, I mean, he's right there, uh, Darren Waller. He, he's right on the sort of cusp of being sort of top five. I, I'm, you know, we're all struggling to name a, a tight end that you think, yeah, he's better than Waller. That isn't the top three kind of thing. So, no, hundred percent agree. But um, do you think they're actually going to do it? Do you think? Do you think he's going to get his, his payday? I, I mean, <laughs> you've got to pay a guy better than I think he's getting about seven million. Like say sixteenth in his mm-hmm. position. Even if you can't give him a monster contract because you've already dished out a lot of money, you've got to keep him happy because you don't want him going. Fine, trade me. You know, because I'm pretty sure. When the Devontae Adams trade was getting talked about, Green Bay looked to get Waller back, but because it was a franchise-tagged player, um, you couldn't do a player-for-player trade. So if he becomes unsettled, Aaron Rodgers is going to be screaming, saying, hey, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you've traded my best weapon. Give me a good weapon back. Well, so- he led, led the league in 2020 in receptions, uh, with 107 receptions. Um, for, and then the year before, 2019, he got uh, 90 receptions with uh, an average of 12.7 yards per catch so you know he's for receiving for, from the receiving point of view as well he's he's you know reliable he's, a, he's still he's a big guy as well 6'6 255 he is a big so, guy yeah so yeah I I, I, I'm just I'm just looking at yards here um, from last year for tight ends so Mark Andrew led all tight ends Mm-hmm. With 1,300. Uh, Travis Kelsey was second. Um, after Kelsey, you've got Kyle Pitts. He was third. George Kittles, number four. So uh, the names that we all called out were, were the top ones. Then there was Dallas Goddard over over to Philadelphia. You Dalton Schultz in Dallas. Gronk over in Tampa Bay. 
Uh, Mike Kosicki. I actually forgot about Mike Kosicki. I did. Over in Miami. I think, I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's under the franchise tag. Probably is. You then had Noah Fant and then Darren Waller. Uh, but of all those guys, Darren Waller played in the fewest. He only played in 11 games. Yeah, he was injured. Yeah, I mean, he missed five games. Uh, and when you know, I'm saying he's behind Noah Fant. He he was five yards less than Noah Fant receiving. I don't know. It's I, I can't believe he's sixteenth. That just yeah. makes no sense to me whatsoever. So uh, yeah, I'm with you there, Jake. It's a, that's a crazy, crazy contract. He's they've got to pay him. They've got to stump up the cash for Darren Waller. If they don't, and he leaves, or or you know, signs someone else, that's going to be just the most. Uh, Raider-like thing to happen. You let one of your best weapons walk out, especially this year. If they don't do it this year, because you 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 just managed to get Devontae Adams. You know you've got Hunter Renfro. You've got Darren Waller. That's three. Yeah, pretty serious weapons you've got there for for uh, Derek Carr to throw to. So if they let Waller go, I think that's a I think that's a bad decision by the Raiders. I suppose speaking of things we're sad to see go would be the the Steelers name change or well the stadium name change <laughs> from the, the iconic Heinz Field um to Acrishaw, I want to say. Acre-show. Hopefully not butchering that. Acrishaw Stadium. Yeah. Not quite the same as Heinz Field. No. We spoke about this before. Stadium names. And I sat here and I said to you, if I ever became a billionaire and I bought the Denver Broncos. I would just change the name of the stadium to Mile High Stadium. And enough with these ridiculous uh, names of of companies. And because, you know, as we said, there's a few companies whose names lend themselves quite well to stadiums. Heinz was one of them. A company from Pittsburgh. You know, I, I actually, no, it, it was perfect. You know, I, I actually thought that was one of the better names. Heinz Field. Uh, many, many years ago, the, the Detroit Lions used to play in the Pontiac Silverdome. But that's a great name. And and uh, I can't remember who plays it. Is it the Lions? Ford Field. Yeah, Lions. Yeah, yeah Lions. You know, that, that, that's a good name. Because Ford is from Detroit. Yeah. It's perfect. But, but then you get, you know, teams with names of companies and you're just like... Little Caesars Superdome. This- it's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible name that's ridiculous you know it's it's just why do they cont- I, you know, I know why they do it it's for money I, I understand why it's purely because of money but just would someone please stop doing it just have some dignity you don't need to sell every blade of grass for money you know these com- these teams are worth billions of dollars billions do you really need any more for someone to outbid although well actually i understand with pittsburgh heinz weren't outbid for it their their uh, 10 years or 15 years was up and heinz decided not to renew it is that correct as far as i'm aware as far as i'm aware so what the steelers should have done was just said you know what we don't need another big corporate sponsor because we're the fucking excuse my language <laughs> we're the pittsburgh steelers okay 
The Pittsburgh, we don't need sponsorship. So, okay, Heinz are taking their, their sponsorship away. We should just change the name to Heinz Field as in, uh, you know, H-I-N-E-S. Heinz That's Ward. Heinz Ward. Heinz Field. That's what they should have done. Yeah. Because the only, the, oh. There's only one slight issue with that is that the what? changing the name to that will not bring in the $150 million over the next 15 years that it was reported. So Okay, but, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to put this into perspective for you. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, right? That's a lot of money. Yeah. But that's a lot of money to me and you. To the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise, $150 million is what they would, you know, tag a player for. It's three, yeah, three years of Patrick Mahomes. Well, exactly. <laughs> and how long, how long is $150 million over? 10 years. Uh, 15, Fif- I think it was. Yeah. That's that's 10 million a year. They paid, yeah. So they paid, uh, so that this is, um, it's not confirmed, but this is what it's expected to be that the Heinz deal was 57 million over 20 years. And then when that ran out, they've uh, given it now to Akrasher. Oh, the soul. For 150 million over 15 years, yeah. That's, 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 right. only, that's only $10 million. And, and, you know, I'm sitting here going, only $10 million. I understand yes. it's a lot of money. But to the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Good God, the Cleveland Browns are paying Baker Mayfield $10 million this year not to play for their team. To play against them. To play in against one. them in week one. I mean, come on. What is going on here? This is just, it's just, it's ridiculous. Stop with the stupid sponsorship. Change. The, the, the 49ers should play at Candlestick Park. That's where they should play. The, the Buffalo Bills should play at Rich Stadium. Or it may be called Orchard Park. I'm not sure about that one. That's where they should play. And I know the Pittsburgh Steelers used to play at Three River Stadium. I understand that. But when Heinz gave the sponsorship and it, it was Heinz Field, it sounded, that's where the Steelers, it was just, it worked. It was right. It's not like they were, you know, the Branston Stadium. They also make big beans, by the way, just in case you were wondering. Branston, make big beans. Right? Heinz, a company, you know, as you as you said, Jake, that you know, the steeped in tradition there in Pittsburgh. That that that's what you want for, for 10 million a year? Behave yourselves. You couldn't you telling me they couldn't get a better name in the stadium for that for ten million dollars. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm ranting again, but it's it's just stupid when you have like the Miami Dolphins used to play at Joe Robbie Stadium. And now they play at Hard Rock Stadium. But Hard Rock Stadium sounds good. It sounds it's, good. And it sounds Miami. You know, Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. And I like Allegiant Stadium and Reliant Stadium. They're good names. You know? Tell me you don't like the Caesar Superdome. I don't like Little Caesar Superdome. <laughs> and I don't like the what is the Bank of America. Are you what? The Bank of America Stadium? And what's where, what's the one where do the where do the Vikings play now? What, is, that what? is that? I thought that was. Is that, that, is that, that, that oh, it's, hang on, is that Bank of America? I thought so. Well, where do the Cowboys play? What do they? What do they play? Jerry Stone. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I can't remember the name of the cowboy. I, I'm going to Google it. Is it not AT and T? AT and AT and T. Oh, I mean, behave yourselves. That's ridiculous. All right, so sorry. sorry. So 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 the, the the Vikings, yeah, they're the ones. I beg your pardon. They played the Bank of, of America Stadium. They used to play in the Metrodome. That's where they played. Just call it the Metrodome. It doesn't matter. I don't care who the sponsor is. And if you've got the 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 Houston Oilers back in the day, now I know it's it's the Texans now. The Houston Oilers played in the Astrodome. Because it was in Houston, and they launched rockets from Houston. And the baseball team is the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros, but then they build a new stadium and they call it, whatever they call it, Allegiant, Reliant, it's one of the two, I forget. Reliant. Just, Reliant Stadium, that's a, a stupid name. Although it's better than Bank of America, and it's better than AT&T, and it's a damn sight better than whatever the Broncos had last year, which was something, something at mile high. Yeah, yeah just, you're going to be great value stadium now, so. I, I never, oh, God, I'm, it's just, <laughs> it's it's the worst. It, I hate this stupid stadium names. I, I, I Anyway, sorry. I feel like this might be a fantastic segue to, to hot takes. You know, seeing as we've got the blood boiling, why not continue it? Are we going to have a Jake's hot take here? I, I, I've got a hot take, and I, seem, I think we're in the mood for a hot take. Do you know what? We absolutely are. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's time for Jake's hot takes. Jake, and take so it away. Hit us with it. Well, yeah, seeing as we're pent up and talking about things that make no sense or are pointless, well, for your Broncos, per Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, the Broncos, or the hashtag Broncos, are reportedly tailoring their offense around new quarterback Russell Wilson. Are you sure about that? No. Because I thought, no. maybe, I thought maybe the Broncos would tailor their offense around the backup right guard. What? What? When I saw, honestly, when I saw this, I was thinking, no, no poop. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? This is, this is new. Right, Jake, right? You, uh, here we are. This was ESPN. Is that correct? That is correct. Why is it always ESPN? It's always ESPN. <laughs> it's always ESPN. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. So Jake, right? You're, you're the, the reporter for the ESPN mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm the head honcho at ESPN. I'm like, Jake. I need you to get me a story on the Denver Broncos. It's got to be a good one, mind, because we're ESPN, right? And people listen to what we say. So I need you to head on down there to Mile High Stadium, whatever the hell it's called these days, and, and tell us, give us a scoop on the Denver Broncos. If you came back to me and said, well, turns out the Broncos are going to be shaping their offense around their new quarterback, Russell Wilson, I'd smack you in the head and say, get out of here. That's not news. Of course they are. Did anyone honestly think the Broncos weren't going to shape their offense around Russell Wilson, the best quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning? Hmm, what do they do when they sign Peyton Manning? Oh, well, we think we're going to sculpt the offense around Peyton Manning. No, really? Really? You're not going to run the same thing you did with Tim Tebow? No? Oh, okay. And now you got Russell Wilson. Oh, you're not going to run the same thing you did with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke? Oh, that's right, because you fired the offensive coordinator. Quite right. Should have been fired out of a cannon, that guy. But I'm telling you, it's, it's, it, this is not news. How are ESPN... I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, 
I'm ranting again. How is I'm this worried. news I'm worried for your cholesterol from ESPN? My blood pressure, blood pressure probably gone the through the roof by this point. So I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'm calming down. I'm fine. I'm okay. Um, let's put this to Dave. <clears throat> Dave, is this new? Is this <laughs> is this news to you that the Bron- breaking news? The Broncos uh, just signed, um, you know, whatever it is, seven, eight-time Pro Bowler uh, Russell Wilson to replace the utter garbage they've had a quarterback over the past six years, and they're considering shipping the offense around him. What do you think? What do you make of that, Dave? I think the key word there is considering. I think that's just uh, considering. <laughs> it was a conversation. Yeah, they, they've thought about it. They haven't actually decided if they're actually going to do it. But I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how that meeting went. Right oh. when they're all sitting around. Sorry, Dave. I'm, I asked you your opinion, <laughs> and I'm jumping in. So I'm wondering how that meeting went. Whether you know the, the executives are all sitting around the table. Let's see, there's ten of them. Argument six. I know. I have no idea. They're all sitting around the table, and someone says, "Oh well, I wonder what we should do with." The offense this year because that's how they talk i'm convinced right <laughs> and then another one goes oh well i don't know maybe we should uh maybe we should i sound like the singing from tidelines i don't know maybe, maybe we should uh tailor the offense around russell wilson and the other guy's going oh are you crazy one guy's going why would we tailor it to russell wilson let's Tailor it around the punter, and someone else is going. Oh, that might be an idea. Let's try tailor it around the punter. How? I mean, how is this even a conversation? Of course, you tailor it to your future Hall of Fame quarterback that you just signed, who will hopefully be with you until he retires. But yeah, Dave, what do you think about that, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> do you want to know do you? The show's gone off the absolute wheels. I know it has, but come on. It's, this is not... How is this news? First of all, the guys at ESPN, right, if any of you are listening, which we all know you are, you should be ashamed of yourself. This is not news. Secondly... If this is actually true, and this is a conversation <laughs> happening in Denver, then everyone in Denver should be ashamed of themselves. Of course. They should be lined up and shot. They, absolutely. You're thinking, what are you doing? If they, if they don't, if they do not tailor the offense 100% around Russell Wilson's strengths, then I, don't, I, I can't even remember who the new offensive coordinator is. I've got no idea. Well, head coach is Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know who's well, his offensive that, Well, uh, Hackett's probably, let's be honest, doing all... Doing the both. Yeah, he's, yeah. Doing, he's doing the play calling here. Um, you know, if he's not doing that, or if, if there's a conversation that suggests he shouldn't do that, he should just smack that person in the head. It is, what are you... Of course. Of course we're telling it to Russell Wilson. Is this just... Yeah. Is this just Aaron Rodgers like this play last year? You will do it, Russell. I know. <laughs> I don't care if you don't like it, <laughs> Russell Wilson. You're gonna be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you? yeah. I don't care what you want. It doesn't matter that you're a quarterback, and we gave up half a draft picks over the next two years to get you, and half and our players. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, you know, we did all this to get Russell Wilson, but I think we should play a nice, safe offense and maybe run the T formation from time to time. Like, what? <laughs> what? Why? We? No, don't do that. You got Russell Wilson <laughs> on your team. Sorry. Oh, 
Sorry, guys. And I apologize to the listeners who are sitting there going, oh, he's lost it. Yeah, I know. I know. But this is, oh, Jake, if you've got, you got anything else on this, I've, oh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. You two talk talk amongst I just, yourselves. I need, to, I need to take a breath here. So, so when, when the Broncos, you know, mold their offense around Melvin Gordon, um, so how's that, how's that going to go? Week, week one, you just see Melvin Gordon throw out the wild card. That's a wild card for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> By week six, the Broncos fans are bring me back, Pat Shermer. Oh, wow. If it ever gets to the point where Broncos fans are crying for Matt Shermer, we know this season's gone to the dogs. I'm just saying, right? The worst offensive coordinator of all time. <sighs> but it, on, I, that's... Oh. Bring oh. back Drew Lock. I mean, Bring last back. week, just, <laughs> last week's show, we had one piece of news. It was the Baker Mayfield. It was about thirty minutes before we went live. So <laughs> I understand the ESPN need to like make up news. If anybody clicked on that article, going really, I'm I'm interested to read about this. You know, I've. I can't believe this, quite frankly. Do you know, I, I am astounded. I'm trying to think of the equivalent of a, for another team. It'd be like the, uh, um, I don't know, the, the, the Tennessee Titans um, have decided they might may run, run the, the ball. They may run the ball <laughs> with Derrick Henry this year. I'm like, really? That's, oh, oh, that's a. The Seahawks might run on the one. Oh, wait. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Love Imagine it. Imagine having Marshall Lynch you know, and not running on the one it's it's like, oh, The Buccaneers might throw a screen pass or two this year with Tom Brady. Oh, you think? I mean, come on. It's just, this is not news. Oh, Jared Goff might throw an interception. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jared. Poor Jared Goff. You might. I, I, you think just to, no, I was just no, trying to. I was just trying to segue it. You know, just trying to. Just, it, that that's that's just premature. What's what's going to come up in our deep dive? Don't you worry about it. that. I was just trying to naturally segue it and just thought, <laughs> who can take a hit? Jared Goff can take a hit. <laughs> well, you know he can't. That's the problem. He can't take a hit. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? He's been taking hits his entire career from that's the exactly. media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, just you know, I, I mean, okay. I, I've I've experienced enough Jared Goff to know he cannot take a hit. Okay, poor Jared. Right. Okay. <clears throat> right. Oh, back I on think track. Back on track. Back on track. So I'm going to. <laughs> I think we probably shouldn't talk about your heart take anymore, Jake. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> I think like, yeah, yeah, I think that was Neos's hot take, and he might have. Oh, I might have done. I think I've got a, a migraine coming on. Just thinking, <laughs> thinking of that. Right. We should do a deep dive this week, gentlemen. It is, of course, the NFC North that we're going to be talking about for the uh, for the deep dive. Now, last year, I think uh, we all know pretty much what happened last year. In the 2021 season, the NFC North was, of course, won by the Green Bay Packers. They had a record of 13-4. and four. You then had the Minnesota Vikings at 8-9, and nine, the Chicago Bears at 6-11, and 11, and the Detroit Lions with a record of 3-13-1, uh, with that uh, tie that they had. I believe that was, it, was it Pittsburgh, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was last year. Now, obviously, we're looking towards this year. Um, and we're going to start, of course, with last year's champions, the Green Bay Packers. They had a 13-4 and record, won the division. Very, very convinced. In fact, they were the only team in the division to have a winning record. That's how convincing it was. They've got Aaron Rodgers back. We know that. They have lost a couple of players. 
as we know, in particular, Devontae Adams was the big one that lost, but there's been more than just Devontae Adams. The Packers do seem a little depleted on last year. So, uh, Dave, I'll put it to you first. What are you looking for this year with the Packers? Where do you see them finishing? And what do you think uh, the differences are between the team this year and last year? I think uh, with the, pa- the Packers included in this, but the whole NFC North last year was very almost predictable you you could you could kind of uh, guess roughly what the records were going to be maybe slightly with the exception of the vikings because you don't know which vikings are going to turn up half the time with the packers last year i think they were very very comfortable i think you're right when you say they are a bit depleted but they still have aaron Rodgers. he's still there he's still one of the best ever i think he's still going to lead them to uh the nfc north championship um, thirteen and four record they had last year. They were four and two in their division, which when I was uh, having a look into them, I didn't expect that. I thought they may have lost one game at the most, but they were four and two. So, um, they still had that little slip up against teams that were not performing at their best. Um, but I think with the Packers, I mean, can you really bet against them doing it again? Because I, I, I couldn't. I mean, I, I think I think they're they're going to win it quite clearly again this year. But how much, how many wins they get, I'm not entirely sure because I think now this year, out of all the teams, I think the Packers are the unknown quantity because they don't have Devontae Adams, they don't have some of their core pieces on defense as well. But I think they, you know, and they've won they've won the NFC North the last three years. I think it's going to be the fourth year in a row. Um, I don't see them getting further than maybe one, two games at the most in the playoffs. I don't think they're strong enough, but never rule them out, especially with Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers turns up to the plate, you know, with his new his new fancy contract, then you you never know. But um, yeah, the the Packers, they're still the strongest team in the NFC North by pretty much a country mile. I think we can probably all agree on that. Yeah, I mean, the Packers, you know, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, you know, he does have his big new contract. He's also got a new tattoo. don't know if you saw that. Um, it's a Hulk, yeah. It's yeah. a very Aaron Rodgers tattoo. It's, it's very much so. He's got, like, Zodiac signs on it and... I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a, that's a personal opinion. Um, so, the, the, the Packers, almost like the Cowboys, we spoke about this last week, Jake, with the Cowboys, how, you know, they were winning lots of games, but they didn't look invincible going into the playoffs. And the Packers were kind of the same. They looked really good, but you always had that feeling they weren't the best team in the, in the conference, uh, despite the record. And they were tied for the best record in the conference with the, with the Buccaneers, 13-4. and four. Um, And they have lost a few pieces. As Dave said, they've lost some key components there. What do you think, Dave, uh, Jake, going you know, going forward for the Packers, do you think they, they can improve? Do you think they'll just win the division by five games again? Improving isn't the name of the game for the Packers. It's 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4. That You know, the model of consistency, um, you know, the back-to-back MVP, they're over-under this year is sat at 11 on the dot. I, I would be quite happy taking the over on that, especially with, like you say, the rest of the division. I mean, despite coming in first in their division, they still land a fairly easy schedule. Um, they've got Giants in London, then they play the Jets at Lambeau. 
Uh, they then play three road games against Washington, Buffalo, but Buffalo off a bye, which definitely doesn't help. And then the Lions, they've got a, a nice week 14 bye. And then after the bye, they play the Rams at home, but they've won their last two games at home against the Rams quite comfortably. And then they finish with at Miami, home against the Vikings and the Lions. Now, I definitely agree with what yourself and, and Dave were saying about a more of a depleted roster. I mean, you can't trade Devontae Adams and let MVS go away in free agency and expect Sammy Watkins and a second-round wide receiver, Christian Watson, to kind of completely cover that. Um, they lost Zadarius Smith, who they spent a lot of money on, Billy Turner. They've not re-signed Kevin King. Obviously, they spent their first two uh, first-round picks on Georgia defensive players, and again, they'll be hoping they kind of plug in and play there. I can definitely see them struggling to kind of repeat their 13 wins and, and keep that streak. But like Dave says, I, I can't really see anyone besides the Packers winning this division and, and again, quite comfortably. There's also just there's, there's also a question, though, that I think there may be, it may be a bit of an unsettled locker, locker room. Um, this year, because obviously you've had you've had a couple of people who are no longer there, and you know some of the big names as well, in, including Adams. But what happens to you know a player or a player like Jordan Love as well? We've all we've all known that he is just an unknown quantity because he's not had the time. He's been sat behind Aaron Rodgers since well, I don't know. It feels like a decade now, but um, you know it's. I, I I do I worry that they're hoping to just be the same. They're not what they're not looking to be better, which is the worry. But last season, you knew the Packers were good, but I always had the feeling that they were beatable. There was never that kind of oh we're never winning this that you know the or the other teams never winning this. There was always that little thought in the back of my mind that this is not the strongest team. They are beatable. But you know it's it, against like when the Bills are on fire and Josh Allen is throwing throwing the ball 40, 50 yards eat with ease, and you think oh they, these guys are just coasting away. It was never like that with the Packers, and I think they're gonna lose, but because they've lost some of their key players, I think they are gonna suffer this year a little bit. I, th- I think they you know I th- I th- like like we've all said they're still probably gonna win it, but maybe just not as convincing as they did last year. The thing that I have is that when you've got Aaron Rodgers in your team, as long as he is performing at an Aaron Rodgers level, um, they're gonna they're gonna cruise this division. I I can't see any of the other teams winning it because the other teams are so, um, I'm you know all due deference. Far behind, yeah, yeah, they're so far behind. It's just I the leap that would need not just the leap from the other teams, but the step backwards the Packers would have to make would need to be monstrous. And the thing is that Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. I mean, he's won back-to-back MVPs for a reason, in that he has been the most valuable player. I honestly believe if you took Aaron Rodgers off that Packers team, they could well be sub five hundred. I, yeah. you know, I, I don't, and I don't think that that's a stretch to say that. I mean, you talk about Jordan Love there. Now we don't know what Jordan Love is. You've mm-hmm. already alluded to this. To be fair, we didn't know what Aiden Rodgers was. He sat three years behind Brett Favre. If 
if Jordan Love turns out to be a future Hall of Fame quarterback, I'm going to be raging. Right? They've, they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback in Green Bay for 30 years. I don't want another one there. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be like, no, no, don't do this to us. But as Aaron Rodgers goes, so do the Packers go. Um, mm-hmm. I Like we spoke about with the Tyree Kill trade from Kansas City, Miami, Tyree Kill's drop-off will be more significant than Patrick Mahomes. I believe that. Now, I don't think it's the same degree with Devontae Adams going to the Raiders because I think Derek Carr is far superior to Tua. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think there will be a slight drop-off possibly for Devontae Adams. I don't think it'll be the same, but I think the Packers will not really miss Devontae Adams too much because I believe that Aaron Rodgers elevates those around him to be better. I mean, you look, honestly, if you just look back over the years at the Green Bay Packers and you look at Jordy Nelson, he, he looked incredible in Green Bay. Randall Cobb was incredible in Green Bay. I mean, you go further back, Donald Driver was incredible uh-huh. in Green Bay. Then you got Devontae Adams, incredible in Green Bay. And this is the thing, when you've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, it's it makes it a lot easier for you to put up huge numbers and look at one of the best guys in the league. I'm not taking anything away from Devontae Adams. I think he's a great wide receiver. I think he'll do really well uh, with the Raiders because I trust Derek Carr. Um, but he may not do as well. He, he might, because they might, you know, because Derek Carr loves Devontae Adams. He might just target him a hundred times a game. That's a, that's a possibility. But I don't think the Packers will suffer. I think we'll just see somebody else pop up and look like one of the best wide receivers in the league. Because that's what they have done, honestly, since back in the 90s with Brett Favre and Sterling Sharp. It honestly seemed like they could just plug any person in there. You know, Greg Jennings and all these guys just pop them in. Doesn't matter. Pro Bowls, left, right and centre. Because mm-hmm. you've got that good a quarterback doing it. It's just, I, I'm trying to see, a sit. I'm trying to envision a situation where the Packers don't win this division and I can't see one. Not this year. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers goes down week one and okay. Jordan Love sucks. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that that's the obvious one, you know. That's in, about the only yeah. chance we can. Yes, but that that can be prevented though. See, what they need to do is have a discussion about molding the <laughs> offense around Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, they, they need to start planning. They, they, obviously, now that Nathaniel Hackett's gone, they've said, you know what, we need to start planning with Jordan Love. Sorry, yeah, that, Jordan that, Love really likes throwing off off his left hand. So yeah, let's yeah. let's do Get that. Get used to it. I, I just. <laughs> I, you know what, you know, cry me a river for Packers fans. That's all I'm saying. You've had it so good for three decades at the quarterback. It's not, it's you know, it's nobody's fault that you've only won two Super Bowls in that time. But your, your coaches that you've had, not doing things right defensively. Because offensively, the Packers have been at the top of, maybe not the best offense, but they've been, what, top five? For 30 years. Mm. So, uh, you know, when when Packers fans are bitching on the internet or on Twitter or on YouTube, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here now at all. Behave yourselves. Why don't you go through 10 or 15 years of garbage quarterback play and then come back to me? You know, see how you feel after that. We've all, we've all been through it. 
We have all but well, not so much Jake. <laughs> almost your entire, almost your entire uh, life support in the Saints has been Drew Brees, hasn't it? Almost. Yeah. So Beforehand, before Drew Brees, it was RG Manning and pretty much nothing else. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So Saints fans prior to you know Jake supporting the Saints I had a rough time of it. You had guys like Billy Joe Tolliver. Nobody I mean, even remembers year, him. Like, Last year, I feel like I took my lumps. I saw about nine people go quarterback last year. Bobby Brister. I remember him. No. See, ta -ta. Oh. yeah, Bobby Brister played, played for the Steelers and the Broncos, and I think he played a season for the Saints. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, you're going through these things. And, you know, right, there's Dave. You look at the Rams. Now, oh, yeah, okay. So you, you, you had a couple of good seasons with Jared Goff, despite the fact of Jared Goff with the Rams. But prior to that, Oh, Sam Bradford? Anyone? Yeah, you're, go you're going back to probably Mark Bulger just after Kurt Warner. Mark uh, that, that's that's well, 2000. Yeah, I mean, you're going back a long time to get some some proper quarterback play. Where you're like, we've got a quarterback who can, who can legitimately take us deep into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it's a long time now. It's only been six years for the Broncos. Um, six, it's coming up eight years now. Wow. Uh, because let's 2014 Peyton Manning 2015 Peyton Manning was not Peyton Manning I think we can all agree on that the defense won that Super Bowl for the Broncos uh, but from 2014 you know we're coming to 2022 we've had no good quarterback play since 2014 nothing it's been awful so Packers fans anyone listening who's like oh you know oh we need to do this we need that behave yourselves right you just need to have a slightly better defense that's all you need. Nothing else. <laughs> because you've got a legendary quarterback and he's showing no signs of slowing down. This is the thing with Aaron Rodgers. It's not like, oh, you know, last year he fell off. He was the MVP. It's not like last year he wasn't very good. He's been the MVP two years running. He may well like, win it again this year and the following. I will not be surprised. If he wins four in a row, wouldn't surprise me. That's how good he is. You know, I firmly believe that he's a weird guy, but he's a great quarterback. <laughs> he's a weird guy. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but a great quarterback. So, yeah, um, I, I don't see how any other team can win this. Anyway, my point was, I don't see how any other team can win this division. That's what I was trying to get with that. Took me a few, a few tangents there, gentlemen. And I apologize. Keep doing this. Terrible. Nothing. Nothing. No, we're not used to. Yeah, this is very true. So, um, we shall, shall we move on? Or does anyone have anything they want to add on to the Packers? Nope, just get that offense molded to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Start having a conversation about Jordan Love, you know? Well, we, we, we probably will talk about Jordan Love at some point. Uh, because we, we all know... 2027. At, yeah, at some point he's going to play. We don't know when it's going to be. Is he, though? Is he well, 18? Well, for the Packers, is he, though? Well, do you know, I... I see, if it was any other team, Dave, I would say, I don't know. But see, because hmm. it's the Packers... I was like, yeah, you know, he's going to sit three, four, five years, and then he's going to play with the Packers. That's what he's going to do. I don't see them trading him because you never hear of them trading him. I mean, we're looking at Jimmy G over in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And all the rumors are he's, he's being traded. Everyone knows he's going to be traded. The 49ers have said he's being traded. He just hasn't been traded yet. But you don't hear him with that with Jordan Love. Yeah. And if Aaron Rodgers does go down and get injured, I don't want to hear any Jordan Love 
excuses of I wasn't prepared or I wasn't ready. Like, what have you been doing for the last two, three years? <laughs> exactly. Jordan Love will be you the best. Be ready. He'd be the best prepared backup in the league. Maybe that's why Aaron Rodgers was so good. Because he sat for three years preparing he knew for that playbook one. inside and out. Inside out. So when it came week one or whatever it was, he went into play. He was like, I already know everything. <laughs> and I'm fresh. I don't have a sore arm. I've not been hit. So this is fine. I'm great. Look how good I am. MVP. Jordan Love could be that. I'll be raging if he turns out to be a great quarterback. I hope he's rubbish. No, if you're listening, Jordan. <laughs> oh, Jordan Love. If, if Jordan Love, if you're listening to this podcast, and you probably are. Um, he's got then, nothing else to do. <laughs> if, the, if you're listening, I don't wish you ill. I don't want Jordan Love to get injured. I just hope you suck. But I, I just hope you're rubbish because let's face it, you're a, you're a what, 20, 25, 26 year old multi millionaire who hasn't had to do anything. So, yeah. It's a tough, someone's got to do it, you know, it's a tough job. Yeah, hard gig. Hard gig for Jordan Love. So, anyway, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings were the most mediocre, medium team in the entire NFL last year. And you wouldn't think so to watch them play. But the truth of the matter is that they finished with one more point allowed than they scored. <laughs> they scored 425 points. They allowed 426. They finished with a record of 8-9. and nine. They've got one of the most exciting players in the entire league. And in fact, one of the most exciting players in years uh, in Justin Jefferson. Fantastic player. They've got a quarterback who's making a ton of money. And Kirk Cousins, we all love we all love Kirk's agent. He's a good guy. Um, but you like that. <laughs> Kirk Cousins does. Uh, Jake, we'll put it to you first. Minnesota Vikings. What are you expecting from them in 2022? I expect them to make their home, the Bank of America Stadium, a fortress. Um, three of their first five are divisional games. Week four in between all of that, they travel to London against the Saints. Classes as an away game for them, so happy days. They do have a really early week seven bye, um, but they do have the thirteenth easiest schedule. Um, thanks to you know, they get to play the Lions and the Bears. They get to play both the New York teams, um, but they definitely need to make the the home a fortress. Their, their home games are, are much more favourable to them. Um, some of their away games or their toughest games are are the away games: Bills and Eagles. And like I said, the Saints game, traveling to London, that class is as an away game for them. So they'll definitely need to, to do that. They certainly will be the closest to the Packers. Hopefully they can get closer than, than five games. Their over-under is again eight and a half. So they're kind of getting predicted to be very similar to last year. I'm interested to see if they can kind of progress. I'm, actually, I want to, before I pass it on, I want to pass it on to Dave. Um, because their new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, is the former Rams offensive coordinator. And he uh, it was it was going to be my random stat, but I thought I'd just drop in. He was drafted by the Patriots in 2008. Uh, he's a former quarterback who earned the highest Wunderlich that, school, uh, that year in the combine. But he was drafted by the Patriots in 2008. And he's been since been a Rams offensive coordinator and is now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And the person he got drafted behind is, is still playing. <laughs> well, I, I assume Dave will know a bit more about Kevin O'Connell than me. Uh, yeah, I, he's, he's 
he, he's very suited to Kirk, to uh, Kirk Cousins because um, he loves he loves to call call throws, uh, call passes. He um, for for the Vikings anyway. They their their passing wasn't bad last year. Well, it wasn't overly terrible by by Kirk Cousins standards. I'm trying not to big him up too much. Um, but you know, Kirk Cousins, he he's, he still had pretty decent stats by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they're they they are or they were anyway last year a lot more run orientated than throw. Um, but I think that's going to change this year. So I'm quite keen to see how how that affects them, how that changes their their results. Last year, though, the problem was not the offense. The problem was their defense. They were thirtieth in total yards conceded, averaging three hundred and eighty-three yards a game uh, on defense. Um, and you know, even even though they had some pretty decent performances from their offense, they just couldn't really get a solid defense going. And I think that's what really, uh, you know, that, that's what really put their season uh, down 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 the drain, basically. Um, but I think. In a in a division last year where they had the Lions as poor as they were and the Bears as poor as they were, they they managed four and two in the conference. They got and eight wins, eight 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 and nine last year. I don't I don't see that they've made the improvements necessary. You you could argue that uh, possibly Justin Jefferson might cook, uh, kick on. I was going to say Mike Kirk on, but I don't know what to well, make of that one. It fits. Yeah, it does indeed. But I think they they needed improvements on their defense in particular. They made one or two, but I don't know if it's anything that they really that they, they would need to kick on to that next level to even try to catch the Packers at this point. Where we were talking about the Packers, that there there is such a gap between the Packers and the rest, and I I don't think they've made that. So the eight and a half over under is pretty sensible, pretty right, but. Who knows? It's it's there's too many unknowns with the Vikings this year. Um, new head coach. Sorry to see him go from the Rams. He was brilliant with Matt Stafford last year. So obviously Sean McVay as well, uh, doing a lot of the play calling. But you know he's a, he was a fantastic offensive coordinator for us as well. So sorry to see him go. Wish him moderate success at the Vikings. Um, but yeah, I think they they need to get the defense sorted out there to really kick on. Well, they did. Um... They brought they brought in Zedary Smith from the Packers. They brought in Jordan Hicks. They've not re-signed Anthony Barr or Sheldon Richardson yet. Um, but their first two picks, I believe, were the safety Lewis Seen and then mm-hmm. the, the cornerback Andrew Booster. I think they definitely self-scout and, and agree with you that it was um, an area of need. And I think they, they would love if Zedary Smith all of a sudden starts sacking Aaron Rodgers for fun. I'm, I'm not sure the Packers, after paying him all that money, will appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just it, it's a bit up in the air for the Vikings. I think we can yeah. pretty much all agree on that. But I, they tried to address their needs in the draft. Well, you know, p- potential improvement talent. Yeah, p- potential improvement talent are two different things. But I think we'll just we'll we'll wait and see. I, I, I wish them the best, just because the Packers are just getting on my nerves as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, wait and see. Hopefully, they can dent the Packers this season anyway. Maybe one year too early to catch them. As long as they lose in London, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> well, quite right. I, I think we're. I'm quite looking forward to seeing the Vikings play because I do like Justin Jefferson. I do like Dalvin Cook. I do like Kurt Cousins. They should have an explosive offense. They 
didn't really show it last year. They were, I get, as I said, they were very, very mediocre. Their, their offense was in the middle. Their defense was in the middle. <laughs> they had almost an identical points different, like minus one points over an entire season. Eight to nine record. I, I'm not excited by the Vikings, uh, but I always look forward to seeing them play, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think they're always good for a couple of highlights every week, uh, usually because of Justin Jefferson. So we'll see how the Vikings get on. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, I really don't have much to add to that from you guys. It's uh, you pretty much covered it all. Uh, so we're going to skip on to the next team. And the next team is actually one of my favorite teams in the NFL. It's the Chicago Bears. Um, the Bears. The Bears. <laughs> a, a team with such a storied history. And, and it really is. They've had such a, a an incredible history, one of the original teams from the NFL. Uh, they've won so many championships pre-Super Bowl era. Of course, they've only won one Super Bowl uh, back in Super Bowl 20, 1985. Uh, but the Chicago Bears last year, 6-11, and 11, um, they just didn't look... I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this, but I can't. So they didn't <laughs> yeah, look like yeah. a very good team last year. I thought when they got Justin Fields uh, in in the draft last year, I thought that was a great draft move. I was actually, you know, I was hoping the Broncos were going to draft Justin Fields, and when they didn't, I was livid. I was spitting venom, saying, why did you not draft Justin Fields? He was there at nine. You could have had Justin Fields, and instead you've taken a cornerback. What are you playing at? And then, of course, we look at what Justin Fields did last year and what Pat Sertan did last year, and I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was wrong, and you were right, so well done. Um, but, you know, Justin Fields clearly has the talent. I think we can all, that was on show. He's got the ability. Just didn't gel last year, but that could just be because it was a bit early for him. You know, I don't like to write off quarterbacks too early. I think we give him at least another two years, but they were 6-11. and 11. Um, I just, I don't know if they're going to improve on that this year. They, they may get to seven or eight wins, but I think I'd be hard-pressed to say that. They lost Alan Robinson, which is a huge loss. Alan Robinson, in my opinion, top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Firmly believe that. He's now gone to the Rams. <laughs> he's he's going to be opposite Cooper Cup. Um, and now Matthew Stafford is just having the time of his life. And and he, he really will. That, that's a big loss for the Bears. I, I believe that Justin Fields lost his biggest weapon in Alan Robinson. And he's going to be even under more pressure this year than he was last year. And I think, did they also lose Teddy Cohen? I think yeah, he, he was he yeah, was a free agent and then obviously busted his Achilles. Oh, yeah, of course. Maybe he was doing his Instagram oh, live. Of course, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, uh, get well soon there, Terry Cohen. So um, they've not got Terry Cohen. They've not got Alan Robinson. I think this could be a rough year for Chicago. I, as I see, I think they have the potential. You know, the ceiling is maybe seven or eight games. I don't see it being any more than that. Unfortunately, I see the floor maybe being three or four wins this season so um i'll put it to you first dave uh chicago bears what's your opinion on that i think they're going to struggle not to have the number one pick this year i i, I really fear for the bears this year I'm, I'm trying to look for some positives justin fields has almost been hung out to dry i i think especially with alan robinson leaving i mean don't get me wrong 
not particularly upset that he left the Bears. Um, I'm very, very pleased that he did leave the Bears. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at their entire roster just now, and I'm just thinking, is there any any kind of positives I can pick out? I mean, David Montgomery's a decent running back. Uh, what what weapons is there for Justin Fields? Nikhil Harry. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I, I, I think it, it, there's, you know, some we, we, we say that some teams are in rebuild mode. I mean, this is to me, this is really, really bad for the Bears. I, I, I'm struggling, really, really struggling here. They've got some on the defense. You know, they've still got uh, uh, Roquan Smith, a linebacker. Um, I think he's he's a great linebacker. I think he's still there, isn't he? I, I yeah, he's still there for, yeah. for now. Yeah, for yeah, for now. That that's what I mean. I, I mean, you know, they got they got rid of Kelly O'Mac, which was, uh, shall we say, questionable. But Justin Fields has very very little to work with. He's he's got what I, I've seen it referred to on uh, Twitter recently as uh, people there to make up the numbers on other teams, whereas they're starters on the Bears. Now, whether that's fair and these guys are not, we I, I don't particularly know. I haven't seen anything of uh, a, any of their wide receiving uh, room, except from uh, Nikhil Harry, obviously. But I'm I'm worried. I'm really really worried for the Bears, and I think the Lions are going to overtake them this year into third, and that's saying a lot with Jared Goff there. I think the biggest worry for me with the Bears is. Sometimes, like we, I think last week we were talking about, you know, teams like the Giants, they might be in a bad position now. They might be sucking at the moment, but you can kind of see the vision and see them going forward. Yeah. I don't see that with the Bears. I mean, a lot of things can be blamed on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, but then you get a new head coach and a new front office, and your first thing you do is trade Khalil Mack. You are looking to trade Robert Quinn, and three of your new signings have been arrested this offseason. So. It's not going great for the new front office, so you can't just say, "Oh, that's Ryan Pace." You know, this the new general manager isn't off to a hot start either. So, I, I just Matt Eberflus, the, the new head coach uh, coming over from Indianapolis, uh, and Justin Fields—they need a miracle, and unless David Montgomery somehow r- rushes for for two thousand yards, that's just I, uh, yeah, like you say, I, I think the Bears could be in the competition for the number one pick, not anywhere near this division. Yeah, I, it's 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 going to be rough. It's going to be really rough. I like Dave Montgomery. I, I oh, think absolutely. Yeah, I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's in a terrible situation. Just like, I mean, you could argue the same with Justin Fields. He, he's got the potential to be a great player. But he, you know what? He did that thing last year. And I hate it when rookies do this. Two, I did it the year before. Uh, what happened was, he was asked by a reporter... And I forget if it was in, you know, middle of preseason or two or three games into the season. And he was asked, um, how are you adjusting to the speed of the NFL? And Justin Fields said, I actually find it quite slow. And then he immediately got annihilated the following week by the Buffalo Bills and got sacked like six or seven times. Just got crushed and looked like he didn't have a clue what he was doing. And I wish... Rookies would stop doing this. Tua said the exact same thing prior to playing the Broncos back in 2019. Uh, sorry, in, in, in 2020, I beg your pardon. And he said, oh, I, I actually find, you know, the speed of the NFL is not as fast as I thought it was going to be. And then he got shot out the following week and replaced by Fitzmagic because he was terrible. 
stop doing that. If you're a rookie, you know, I don't know who you're trying to impress. There's no need for it. You've, you're already in the NFL. You're in a very exclusive group of 32 individuals starting a game in, in the NFL. Now, some people will see, you know, it's the most exclusive job in sports. F1 driver's more exclusive than that. But just saying, it's a very exclusive club. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no need for you to try and prove that you're better than anybody else. You're already better than 99.999% of people who've ever played this game. So just behave yourself. Um, and, and you see players that struggle in their rookie seasons. And of course you're going to struggle in your rookie season. Of course you are. Not everybody is going to come out like Justin Herbert, you know, in week five or six or whenever it is and start slinging bombs left, right and centre and scoring touchdowns. That, that's that's a rarity. The same thing happened to Sean Watson. His rookie season, he came in with, what, six games to go and, you know, started looking like a seasoned professional. This is rare. It's a rare thing. These kids... You're missing, the, you're missing the common denominator. You're missing Tyrod Taylor. They should have got Tyrod Taylor in. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I didn't, of course, we spoke about Tyler Taylor before. Yeah, <laughs> this is, you know Tyler Taylor. That's, that's what he does. You got to get Tyler Taylor in for five or six weeks, and then then get your guy out there. Tyler Taylor uh, has to be like the greatest teammate of all time. He's got to be. <laughs> got to be. Um, but when you get, get these players, these rookies, and they're kids, we forget. So often we forget. These guys are twenty one. 22 years old these are they're young boys and and they, they try to make out that they're not young boys but they are that, that they're they're just young young people they haven't got a clue what's going on in the world um they've had a golden opportunity presented to them and it's difficult i the the problem is as you've already said when you've got changes with offensive coordinators and then a change of head coach and then the following year, new offensive coordinator. And then the following year, new offensive coordinator. And then the following year, new head coach. It's it's really difficult for these players to get any kind of continuity. Because continuity is required. You need that. You really need the continuity. You look at Sam Darnold. Like, God love him. Right, Sam Darnold's had a rough time. Has he had Has he had back-to-back -back years with an offensive coordinator? I, I, he was about to, and then and then Baker Mayfield came out. <laughs> DX like, chopped in front of him. Ah, yeah. Darnold's had it rough. Like, really rough. And that's just, you know, one guy off, off the top of my head. So, I mean, you, you look at Justin Fields. I hope he does well. I wish he'd cut out talking garbage when he doesn't need to. Um, he's got the skill set. He needs a little bit of luck. And a slightly cooler head, which he will gain through time. You know, just give, give him a couple of years and he'll be fine. I'm convinced because, as I say, he's got the ability. We'll see how he gets well, on. But I have to admit, I'm kind of with you guys. I think the chances of the Bears winning more than four or five games is pretty slim. I've already said, I think it's got a ceiling of maybe seven or eight. That's assuming that everything goes their way. You know, they get a few lucky calls, get a couple of last-second field goals. It's possible, but I don't see it happening. Not this year. Maybe next year. I don't see it happening. Well, they're over under a set of seven, which might be the easiest under ever, but 
despite finishing above the Lions, they got an easier schedule, which justice for the Lions. But they they start with the the 49ers and then away the Packers, and you think that's brutal. Um, but they followed by the Texans at home, then the Giants away. They get a nice week 14 bye, but that's after playing the Dolphins, Lions, Falcons, Jets, uh, and then the Packers. And then they end with the Lions and the Vikings. I mean, like I say, they've got the fifth easier schedule, somehow got an easier schedule than the Lions who finished below them. That's which not, yeah, that's is, not... is harsh on the, on the Lions, to say the least. But the only, I found a positive thing about the Bears in, in terms of PFF and, and run blocking grades from last year from the wide receivers. Nikhil Harry with 84.7 was fourth and Byron Pringle was 74.8 was 16th so they've got David Montgomery and they've got a Herbert at running back as well and then Justin Fields on play action was 35 from 40 uh, 35 from 57 509 yards two touchdowns zero interceptions 102.2 passer rating 12.7% big time throw, which was first. So PFF are, are obviously putting two and two together and figuring the Bears are going to be kind of a, a a run first, play action kind of team this year. And with their wide receiver room, that's not particularly surprising. So I will definitely yeah. be looking to pick up David Montgomery in my fantasy leagues. <laughs> I think if, you, if you're picking up anyone from the Bears. Any Bears player. Any Bears player. Hulk Met, maybe. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Oh, another tight end that I completely forgot about. Early he's on not up. He's, he's, he's not quite top five. <clears throat> he's, he's not top five, but but he's a good he's a good tight end, and I forgot all about him. Uh, so apologies to you there, Cole, if you're listening. Probably are. A, bit, a, a sprinkled a bit of good news for the Bears at the yeah. end, but buckle up, it's going to be a long year. <laughs> it, it probably will. Uh, so, gentlemen, we are going to move on to our final team in the NFC North, and it is, of course the Detroit Lions. Now, the Detroit Lions are the team of our uh, resident college expert, Ewan McPhail, he of the draft day fails. The Lions, I think we can all agree, had an excellent draft. They, they, they had a really, really good draft. That's about all you can say about the Lions. Last <laughs> year, they were 313-1. They were, they were utterly, utterly appalling, having traded their superstar quarterback Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams it worked out in return they got Jared Goff and one first round pick two first round picks I forget two I want to say two I want to say two uh, but they got uh, you know a couple of picks as well in, in the Matthew Stafford trade uh, and my goodness did the Lions make the most of it uh, this year in the draft, yes, they did. They had a sensational draft, in my opinion. Um, but Jake, I'll give it to you first. The the Detroit Lions. I I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm just being a negative Nancy about the Lions. So I'll let you do it, Jake. Um, to the right guy, because I love me some Dan Campbell, and you should. And the and the Lions were probably the best three win team in recent memory. I mean, if they can turn heartbreaking losses into wins. Um, they can move forward, definitely off the bottom of the, the NFC North. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to interrupt you for two seconds, Jake. Yeah. Right. So to point to, to anyone who wasn't aware, last season the Lions lost like a million games by two points on the last yeah, kick of the, was... including Justin Tucker's ridiculous, what was it, 66, 67-yard 
field goal. 67, yeah. 67 yard field goals time expired. I just thought I would interject that there, Jake, before you. Sorry, I do apologize for interrupting you there. Yeah, so, well, like you said, they lost um, six losses by one score, seven losses by less than 10 points. So they, they were not as bad as their record shows. I mean, conspiracy theorists that the Lions are getting screwed by the NFL. I mean, they've got a harder schedule than the Bears. They've got the brutal week six bye, which is the first eligible bye you can have. Um, so they are not getting, you know, considering they came fourth and, you know, pick number two, uh, they're not getting any any faves from the NFL. Um, they do start with the Eagles and then the Commanders. Um, their last four are the Jets, Panthers, both away, home against the Bears, and they finish at the Packers. But by that point, the Packers might have already won the division and not be playing anything. So that could be a, a weakened Packers. So, Which is what I, happened last year. Yeah, so you never know. I mean, they brought in DJ Chark. Um, they re-signed Jared Davis, which is fantastic because... So their first round pick in 2017, and then they didn't they didn't pick up his fifth year option, or he he went off, I think, to the Jets. He went off to someone for a year, and then the Lions are signing back again. So making use of that first round pick, like um, Ian said, there they absolutely smashed the draft, including pulling the pants down on the Vikings, really, with the the Jameson Williams trade. So I, I'm hopeful for the Lions. I think they'll definitely improve. I think they'll finish ahead of the Bears. And to be honest, like I'm like saying, they lost so many games last year by by small distances, and they were much better than their record shows. I, I expect a vast improvement from the Lions. Dave, what's what's your opinion on Detroit? I, I I will remind you, Dave, we're not here to bash them. We like Ewan. We like Ewan. We would like Ewan him, we would like him to us. come back next year for us. We would like this. So. <laughs> try, try and remain impartial. <laughs> if you can. Um, um, right. Okay. So they they signed a couple uh, ex Rams uh, in the off season. They've got Michael Brockers in, who's a defensive end. Uh, I think they've got him as well, and they've also um, brought in Josh Reynolds, who was our like he was maybe our third uh, choice wide receiver. Um, he was okay. He was he was. Good, but not great. There was ne- no moments I was like, oh, that, that's a great play by Reynolds. But, you know, he did what he needed to. Uh, and he, when we had a couple injuries as well, he stepped up as well. So that, that's a bit of experience there um, for uh, Jared Goff to try to aim for. Um, but, yeah, they, they they had probably one of, if not the best drafts. Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute monster, and he is going to be... Uh, if they can pick up, uh, uh, if they can pick up on the positive end that they had to the season, um, then I think the Lions will kick on. I think they could even go as far as challenging the Vikings for that second place. Um, I, th- I, th- I think they're a work in progress, but I, I remember the Lions Rams game, and I remember thinking this is the weirdest game I have ever seen because of Dan Campbell's play calling. It was ingenious but it just ran out it they just didn't quite have enough uh, at the end i think the rams were just able to see them off uh eventually i think it was 28 19 or something but it was a long slog to get to that 28 points for the rams we were we were not in the best shape and i think that was about the seventh game of the season roughly um yeah i, I, th- I there's a lot of hope for the lions this year i, th- I think they've made 
a lot of improvements. They had to. Uh, I, I, obviously, you know, they, they lost a lot of games by just a couple points here and there. But just these these key players are going to be the turning point for them. And I, I do think they're maybe, you're looking at maybe seven, eight wins for the Lions next year, depending on if they can protect Jared Goff. Jared Goff needs protection. Obviously, every quarterback needs some level of protection. Goff needs a lot of protection, but he will pick out a pass every so often that is pretty special and point scoring. But they need to protect him. So it's. I think it's uh, the the offensive line is going to be really important this year for the Lions, so that Goff has time to find his targets. Their over under is at six point five. So, what half a game less than the Bears? I would feel a lot more comfortable and happier taking over on the the Lions mm-hmm. than I would the Bears by by quite <laughs> quite some distance. Yeah, I, I think you know. Obviously, the Lions fans have been long suffering for a very very long period of time. Um, you know, and obviously with our own Ewan McPhail, not only is he a Lions fan, but he's also a Tottenham Hotspur fan. So he, he quite must quite enjoy um, teams disappointing him in life. So, you know, big shout out for you, to Ewan there. But I think this could be the, the year that the Lions finally show some level of improvement that has been a long time in the making. I think Dan, I, I, I like Dan Campbell as well. I, I really do. He's He's... An innovative head coach as well, but you know it's all up in the air. I, th- I think, apart from the Packers, the rest of the division is very unpredictable. It's going to be fun to watch, especially when the Lions are involved, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And Dan Campbell is, I, I would say, the most unpredictable head coach in the league. So, big shout out for Dan Campbell. And yeah, I think the Lions will get seven or eight wins next year. I mean, they, they might do. I think we can all hope that they do. Yeah, I think because sort of. I, yeah, I just it 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 would pain me to see them not improve. It, it would really pain me, and you think surely, surely to goodness, the 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 Lions can improve this year. So I'm I'm rooting for them. I think they can do quite well. Um, do we have anything else to add to the NFC North, gentlemen? Bear down. Um, just prayers up for the bears prayers for the bears that might be a hashtag coming up Um, so uh, that is the end of our NFC North deep dive Uh, we do have time for one more segment though gentlemen which is of course random stats and Dave seeing as you um, you were away last week obviously missed last couple of episodes would you like to kick us off with this week's random stat well I thought uh, after the last couple of weeks, obviously I was noticing there was a few, um, a, a bit too much hype on uh, early start on early round quarterbacks in the draft, such, such as uh, Mitch and, you know, uh, maybe one or two others as well that, you know, I wasn't here to completely disprove as I did. It was fantastic. Did. It was like the highlight that there's no, no anti-Mitch agenda. I, I, I would like to personally apologize to Tim for having to endure that. So what, what are you um, talking about? Yeah. it was all good. Tim, Tim loved it. <laughs> yeah. Tim loved uh-huh. it. That's- yeah, he told you. Anyway, so um, I, th- I thought, you know, I was having a look at some of these kind of early pick quarterbacks and looking for any kind of interesting statistics in recent times. And I came across a quarterback that was drafted uh, in 2002. And I think 
he, he's, he, we, we all know who he is, but his stats are not the most complimentary. Now, in 2002, the first pick of the draft was one David Carr. Not Derek, David. And he was picked by Houston. Uh, and he had, let's shall we say, not the most impressive career. However, the one that I want to pick up on in his rookie year, he started all 16 games in 2002 for the Texans, and his, his record was four and 12. So you know you can't really put everything on him. However, his uh, stats for that year, he threw for he threw 233 completions from 444 attempts, so that's about 52%, for 2,500 yards, 9 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, which is not great, but the one that I'm really worried about is that he was sacked 76 times. Like a pancake. That's a a lot of sacks. And that, I don't know if it still is, but at the time that was an NFL record of 76 sacks, and of those sacks, he also fumbled the ball 21 times. No so, bloody wonder. Yeah, absolutely. But he was he was at the Texans for five five years as, as the starter. He never had a winning uh, record for many, many reasons. Um, but in his career, well, you, you guys were talking about uh, passer ratings. And you know we, we don't always like passer ratings. But his career passing rating is 74.9. That's Which 13 is... points less than Mitchell Trubisky, I'm just saying. <laughs> and he was number one just, pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just, just got to say, telling you that. <laughs> yeah, just keep quiet. Uh, I, Mitchell again, got I, number one. I, oh, I see what you're trying to get out here. This is, this is not my line that I am taking. I can guarantee you that. But he had his um, record in the NFL is actually 23, as a, as a starter, 23 wins and 56 losses. So that's it's not the most complimentary. Sixty-five touchdowns and seventy-one interceptions, and he was oh, he was a starter for five years in Houston. After Houston, though, he only started four games in the rest of his career for Carolina. The year after he got released, and his record there was one and three. So you can imagine how that went. But in his time at Houston, now he had what five years. In Houston, uh, and he was sacked 248 times in those five Jesus. years, um, and Good he God. also had That's... 69 fumbles in that time. No wonder. <laughs> like, Just what? I'm surprised his nerves. Absolute like, he still has carnage. nerve endings. Yeah, I'm, you, wow, with the amount of sacks that that man took, you see him on the television. I'm amazed he's got any hair left, let alone the best hair on <laughs> television. I mean, He's all, I, I mean it, it was getting better. He, he was he, his highest percent, his completion percentage was in his final year at Houston, when sixty-eight point three percent completion, which was okay uh, at that time. Three hundred two completions from four hundred forty-two attempts, eleven touchdowns. We can ignore the twelve interceptions. Uh, we can probably ignore the forty-one sacks as well. But you know, it, it was getting better. But that that rookie year was probably one of the most brutal in recent memory by any stretch, by any quarterback in the league. And, you know, big shout out to the cars. We, we, we like the cars on here. David Carr, well, on the pitch, maybe not a favorite, but um, yeah, NFL record in 2002 for the most sacked quarterback in the league. Just surprised. He doesn't have to wear a diaper on TV. Like Matt man <laughs> has definitely got CTE. Like you cannot get run over by 300 pound men that consistently and be okay. 
Well, yeah. and also, I mean, obviously, he's, I'm assuming he supports the Houston Texans. I assume he hates the Houston Texans. Yeah, maybe not now. Because I was going to say, I mean, you know, if, if that hasn't given him, you know, some serious emotional damage, just supporting the Texans after that will do it. I mean, good grief. That's ridiculous. Poor, oh, poor David Garr. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That that was that was an NFL record in two thousand two. I don't know if it's been topped yet. I I don't. I'm, I can't think of anyone that would be the not. obvious <laughs> like seventy six times in one. And the thing is, yo, in his fourth year, he nearly broke that record again by getting sacked sixty eight times. <laughs> <laughs> it nearly happened again. But uh, yeah, and that was the year that the Texans went two and fourteen as well, and they still wow. stuck by him. I don't. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think that was his fault. I don't think any of those years at the Texans was really his fault. No. For them. I, you know, I mean, he only got sacked 15 times, though, in his second year, but he did only play in, uh, in 12 games. But at the same time, that that's still, you know, that that's only, what, one and a bit sacks a game, whereas his first year, it was nearly, what, five sacks a game? Jeez. Oh, so, that's yeah. painful. Just stay down. Just honestly, just stay down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just stay down. Don't get back up again. Just, the defensive you know, lineman will probably helping him up by like the fourth one. Be like, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing the Texans. I need a uh, six sacks to get my bonus this year. I'll probably get them all in that one game. Good grief. But also, fun fact as well, he's also got a Super Bowl ring because he was Eli Manning's backup in 2011. Good for him. Good for him. Well, yes. well deserved. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. The amount of sacks he took, he deserves a ring. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's there you true. go. Uh, and also, fun fact, he also appeared in two games uh, for the Giants uh, in two years between 2011 and 2012. And he was also sacked in that time as well. <laughs> <laughs> nothing new. Nothing he's not used to. He also fumbled like, uh, as well when he was sacked. So there you go. There you go. That's pretty impressive, that. Ah, good start there, Dave. Good start. Um, I'll tell you, well, I'll, I'll go next, and Jake can uh, finish us off uh, for, for the segment. So I'm going to go way back in time, gentlemen. Way back in time, because you know I like to do that. I'm getting a bit of an old guy here. But uh, I'm, I'm going way back, even before my time. I'm going back to the year 1951. Long time ago in the NFL. Only 12 games in a season that year. But I'm going to give you some statistics here. I'm going to give you some team averages. I'm going to give you average passing yards, etc. Over a 12-game stretch, the average passing yards per team uh, for a season was 1,952.9. So the average team through for 162.7 yards per game. Okay, so this is a different era. We're all well aware of this. Teams did not throw a lot, but um, 162.7 yards per game was the average through the entire NFL. Um, the team with the least was the New York Giants. In 12 games, completed 101 passes out of 210 for 1,187. Not an awful lot. That's an average of 98.9 yards per game. But it's not that far behind other teams. Um, the Washington 
redacted uh, were 117 yards per game. The Philadelphia Eagles were 124. Pittsburgh Steelers were 127. So there wasn't a lot of yards per game being, being thrown out in 1951. However, there was an anomaly. And it actually happened in week one of the 1951 season. Because in that game, the Los Angeles Rams, Dave, before they went to St. Louis and then back to Los Angeles game, um, actually beat the New York Yanks. That's <laughs> a long time ago. Whoa. They don't exist anymore. By a score of 54 to 14. Now, that's that's nowhere near the highest score of all time. Highest score, actually, I believe, is 73 to nothing, uh, which was the Reds, uh, Redacted and the Giants back in 1940 or whenever that was. So it's 54-14 for the Rams. However, what I'm going to talk about is the performance of the Rams quarterback that day, Norm Van Brocklin. Norm Van Brocklin, also known as the Flying Dutchman. On this day, week one, 1951, completed 27 of 41 passes through five touchdowns. But the best stat is that he threw for 554 yards, which is a record that still stands today. It's never been matched. And he did this on only 41 attempts. There have been games where players have thrown 70 passes in a game, including overtime, 70 passes, and have never even come close to Norm Van Brocklin's 554 yards. Now, in this game, as I say, 27, 41, 554 yards, and five touchdowns. I'm going to remind you, gentlemen, that back in 1951, teams did not throw an awful lot. And in fact, the uh, the Los Angeles Rams' um, entire passing yardage total for over 12 games was 3,199. 554 game in one game. And the New York Giants threw 1,187 and 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> 12 games. They averaged 98 yards a game. Norm Van Brocklin, it's one of the oldest standing records in the history of the NFL, all the way back to 1951. And considering the way that the NFL has changed over the years, and teams are passing more and more and more, and we've seen umpteen quarterbacks over 5,000 yards in a season, no one has ever ever eclipsed Norm Van Brocklin's 554 yards in week one of the 1951 season against the New York Yanks. And that is my random stat. That's a very good one indeed, the Flying Dutchman. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I've been uh, looking it up while you've been uh, discussing it and he wasn't, he, 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 he was not a, the, the starting quarterback, he was split uh, he, or he had he had split duties as starting quarterback with Bob Waterfield, so Waterfield was unavailable. So it ended up that he uh, Van Bronklin actually um, just played the whole game, and that was really odd at the time. So he and then of course when he gets the opportunity, boom, he just just uh, swing a record out there, and then the very next year, what the the other guy uh, Bob Waterfield retired. 
<laughs> and I think probably because he realised there's no way I'm ever playing another game <laughs> while uh, while Van Bronken's there. But yeah, <laughs> that's a cracking start. I, I'm kind of interested to know what the previous record was. Because that's the same, you know, team, <laughs> teams did not throw the ball very much back in the early 50s. They just didn't. It, it wasn't the done it thing. It was. I've got it here, actually. It oh. was Johnny Luchak, who had a single game record of 468 yards set two years earlier. Oh, uh, more than More than I thought. That was for the Chicago Bears. I don't know who it was against, though. But, um, yeah, that was for the Bears in 1949, I think it was. 1949. When, when I looked this one up, I was trying to figure out if this was the oldest um, surviving record, like individual record in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out it wasn't. So I'm going to give you a bonus random stat. Cool. You've got, you got a twofer. <laughs> you got, you've got a twofer. twofer. Twofer one here. So... It turns out that have you have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? You ever heard that I name? Say I have. Never. So Ernie Nevers. <laughs> Touche. Er, of course you haven't, because Ernie Nevers actually played in the nineteen twenties. But he holds the oldest individual record still standing today. It's the oldest one, and it's from. Um, November 28, 1929, the Chicago Cardinals, who he played for at the time, beat the Chicago Bears 40-6. And Ernie Nevers, uh, I'll, I'll give you the scoring for, for this game. In the first quarter, Ernie Nevers rushed for a touchdown. And then Ernie Nevers rushed for another touchdown and then kicks the extra point. And then in the second quarter, Ernie Nevers rushed for a touchdown, kicks the extra point. And then in the third quarter, Ernie Nevers rushes for a touchdown, kicks the extra point. And then in the fourth quarter, Ernie Nevers rushes for another two touchdowns and kicks one more extra point. So Ernie Nevers actually had, he accounted for all 40 points that the uh, Chicago Cardinals scored in that day. That is the most points that a single player has ever accounted for in the history of the NFL. And that goes back to 1929. November 28th, 1929. He scored six rushing touchdowns and kicked four extra points. I don't know what happened with the other, if he missed an extra point or uh, if they tried to do something else. But yeah, six touchdowns, four extra points. Ernie Nevers accounted for all 40 points for the Chicago Cardinals on the 28th of November, 1929. And that is a record that still stands today. And it is the oldest individual record in the history of the NFL. So that's a twofer for for your random stats there. According to Ah. Wikipedia, though, he's also tied for the most rushing touchdowns in a single game. Tied with one Alvin Kamara. Yes, he yeah. is because Should've we were. Been. I shouldn't be because we <laughs> were. I think I was actually messaging you watching that game, Jake. Yeah, bloody Taysom Hill. He had he had five at that point, didn't he? Yeah. And then they had like first and goal on the two yard line, and they gave Payne couldn't help himself. They, they gave it to Taysom Hill. I mean, I'm like, what are you? And Avakamara sitting there. Why? And Taysom Hill scores. And then they get it in again and they give it to Alvin Kamara and he scores a six. 
be like he could have had seven. He should have had was, seven. That, that was on par with the uh, Bears giving it to to the fridge over Peyton. Over Walter Peyton, yeah, in Super Bowl twenty. That, that was on that kind of level. It's just it's, upset. it's upsetting to, to think upsetting. about that. Sean Payton's fever dream. Maybe like. Um, w- when the Saints got down there, Sean Payton got like a phone call from like Ernie Nevers' great grandson. <laughs> He's like, "Don't you dare! You give this to Taysom Hill. Do you hear me? Don't you dare take the love away from Taysom us. Hill. Remember, you love it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so Jake, what is your random stat? Well, I was going to keep it short and sweet. I was looking at the NFL most career games with 150 yards from scrimmage. Um, on the top eight list, there is only one wide receiver. No bonus points for guessing Jerry Rice, because of course it's Jerry Rice. Um, and the rest is just littered with Hall of Fame running backs. It's Eric Dickerson's got 30. Emmett Smith has 31. Um, Jerry Rice had 33, the only wide receiver on the list. We then have a legend in Jim Brown at 36. Um, LT, but not that LT, at 38. You then have a bit of a, a jump up to the Rams' Marshall Falk at 43. And then the reason I picked this one is for the NFC North, the top two. We've got Sweetness coming in at second with 44. And number one, even though he retired early, Barry oh. Sanders with 46 games with 150 yards plus from scrimmage. Barry Sanders is the greatest running back I have ever seen play the game. Just insanely good. What he would have done on a team that had a decent offensive line. Just it beggars belief. Because um, the, the Lions were terrible. They, they were terrible when Barry Sanders was with them. I don't believe you. The Lions <laughs> were terrible. <laughs> so, do you know, okay, I'm going to tell you a wee story here. Uh, sorry, are you finished your random stat, Jake? I'm, I'm getting. I am. I right, am. Okay, so, so yeah, Barry Sanders. Short and sweet. So, I'm going to tell you a story here. Um, I, I've been watching the NFL since the mid '80s, '86, '87, give or take. I, I, I watched my first game, I think, in '84 or '85, but didn't start properly watching until about '86, '87. When the 1989 draft came around. Barry Sanders was selected in the... I forget, I forget, he was either second or third selection over. Troy Aikman went first, Barry Sanders may have been second, you had Dion Sanders and uh, Derek Thomas. It was just, it was littered, littered with Hall of Fame players. Steve Atwater was in 1989 as well. Uh, but Barry Sanders, from from the second he came into the league, was a sensation. He was unbelievably good. He was to the running back position for the Lions what Megatron was at the wide receiver position. Just to the Lions. To, to, to you know, <laughs> for, for the Lions. Yeah. Because. Had a pattern. Yeah. Megatron, Calvin Johnson, is one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game. Now, I don't know where you're ranking him because the problem is his stats aren't as good as people like Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, obviously Jerry Rice, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, just, you know, the longevity of those two is ridiculous. But I think we can all agree that from a purely physical specimen, 
Freak. athletic monster. Calvin Johnson's one, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. No, there wasn't a single team that wouldn't take Calvin Johnson on their team. He was, that's how good he was. No team would say he's not going to improve our team. Barry Sanders was the running back equivalent. He also played for the Detroit Lions. This is the thing. I don't know what it is about the Lions, but it seemed like every single week, when I used to watch the NFL on, on Channel 4 back in the day, and they would have their, 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 their live game, or, or, well, I see a live game. They would have their extended highlights of a game, uh, I believe it was on the Monday, when they would show it. And then on Saturday mornings, they would have another program which had the, the week's highlights. And you, you would watch the, the, the rest of the games on Saturday morning. And every week, it was Barry Sanders' highlights. Just, it seemed like all the time he's breaking half a dozen tackles and going for 70 yards. That's what it felt like. You're like, oh, good God, this guy does it every week. And then you look back at the stats and you say, oh, he did do this every week. This is what he did every single week. The man averaged 1,500 yards a season behind one of the worst offensive lines ever and with no passing attack. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, remind people who are not sure of this the lions ran an offensive scheme called the silver stretch okay now june jones um famous offensive coordinator coordinator once said it's called the silver stretch because offensive coordinators have egos and they don't want to give credit to a guy called mouse davis for the run and shoot because that's what it was it was the run and shoot offense it was four wide receivers shotgun the entire game one running back the entire game that's what it was. Every play, four wide receivers, one running back. You didn't have tight ends. You didn't have running formations. This is what you did. Now, some teams, Houston Oilers with Warren Moon, the Buffalo Bills with, with Jim Kelly, um, you know, they, they ran this offense and it was a pass-heavy offense. What made it especially effective, effective sorry, is if you had a good running back. Now, the Buffalo Bills had Thurman Thomas, MVP of the league back in 1990, I'm going to say. Possibly 91, not sure. Um, and, and the Bills, you know, go all the way to four straight Super Bowls running this offense. They called it the K-Gun. This offense. And as long as you've got a good quarterback and a good running back and half-decent line and wide receivers, you can run this offense. And this is what the offense is based on. It's quick passing, pass, 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 pass. It's essentially a hurry up, no huddle offense that you're just, you're just killing them. And then when they can't take any more, you run the ball and, and that's how it works. This worked for the, the Oilers. It worked for the Bills. It even worked for the Atlanta Falcons. They run it. Um, Jerry Glanville's Atlanta Falcons. And I think they called it red gun offense. Because again, they don't want to give credit to Mouse Davis for the run and shoot. It was all the same offense they were running. And it even worked for them. And they had varying degrees of success because the quarterback, Chris Miller, wasn't very good. They had no running backs to speak up. They had very good wide receivers. Andre Risen. Um, you know, they had uh, Mike, uh, Mike Pritchett. They had good receivers. So it worked. The Lions had nothing. Their, they, their, their quarterbacks were terrible. Their wide receivers were terrible. The offensive line was terrible. 
you had an offense, and I'm not making this up. You can look this up. I'm not making this up. They ran an offense with four wide receivers, and defenses had nine men in the box to stop Barry Sanders, and they would run the ball, like, all the time. And you're like, why aren't you throwing? Oh, because the quarterback's rubbish, and your receivers are rubbish. But they did this for 10 years. You can't get a quarterback and a receiver in a 10-year stretch. You can't get an offensive line in a 10-year stretch. Are you kidding me? You look at Emmett Smith's rushing record. If Barry Sanders had been on that Dallas Cowboys team with that offensive line and Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper and Troy Aikman and Gene Overtek, the tight end, he would have rushed for 2,000 yards every year. He would have done. He, he was ridiculous. Barry Sanders, whilst averaging 1,500 yards a season, um, holds like the NFL record for most negative yards rushed because he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage more than anyone has ever been tackled behind the line of scrimmage. His offensive line was rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. You look at guys like Jim Brown and Walter Pete and quite often they were two, three yards into the into the, the defensive backfield both before they even got hit. They were, they were past the, the linemen. The first guy to make contact them was a linebacker three yards after the line of scrimmage. With Barry Sanders, the first guy to make contact with him was his own quarterback who was being tackled by a, a, a blitzing safety while he's being handed the ball off seven yards on his own backfield. It was relentless. And this guy just shattered. Uh, you know, what, what did you say? How many games of 150 scrimmage yards did he have? I believe it was 46. Let me just 40, confirm. Yes, 46. 46 games. He went for over 150 yards from scrimmage. 46 times. And he was constantly being hit in the backfield. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Any Lions fan who's, you know, who watched Barry Sanders playing, who's listening to this, knows exactly what I am talking about. Because Barry Sanders just got... There are... Honestly, <laughs> look it up. Look it up on YouTube. There are games where it's like first, and it's like third and ten. Third and ten. And the Lions are there with four wide receivers, the guys in the shotgun, and the defense is showing, you know, five linebackers. They've only got two defensive backs. And you got four wide receivers, and they call a draw play to Barry Sanders. <laughs> and all the defense is going, we know what they're going to do. They're not going to throw because they're rubbish at it. They're going to run the ball. And even then, he might get the first down on third and ten. That that's how good Barry Sanders was. I love it. I love it, Jake. Anytime I get to talk about Barry Sanders, oh, yeah, he's, he's the best ever. He's, he's the best running back ever, ever. Fact. There you are. Sorry, I went on a wee rant there. Apologies. <laughs> I need to stop doing this. God, I've got to stop. Your world, we're just living in it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jake, did you ever have the pleasure of watching Barry Sanders play at all? I've seen a lot of, well, obviously he, he played before I was born, but uh, I've seen a, oh. an awful lot of highlights <laughs> and uh, a football life. And But yeah, I thought I'd just drop that in there. He was playing before I was born. Uh, Dave, save me from this. Did you ever get to see Barry Sanders play? Maybe right at the end. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, um, I, th I think he retired in 98. 
99? Yeah, yeah, 98. So that would be just as my kind of introdu- introduction to it. So my, my kind of first introduction was 98, 99. Right, so okay. that would have been around Kurt Warner uh, coming on the scene for the Rams. So that that's one of my first memories. But um, yeah, obviously NFL films, YouTube, you know, oh, a lot of his highlights. There's so much. Yeah, I've, I've, I think I've seen every Barry Sanders highlight a hundred times. But if I'm on YouTube... Do you know, scrolling through, and I, I'm subscribed to a lot of NFL stuff on YouTube, like loads of it, and I see Barry Sanders highlights, I'm watching it again. <laughs> I'm watching it again. He made people look stupid. He made Hall of Famers look like just incompetent defenders. There's this, there's a famous one against Tampa Bay where he fakes out John Lynch, and <laughs> John Lynch is literally on his hands and knees and looks up and goes, where did he go? <laughs> what what happened? He just fell over. Um, and there was a run against the Patriots where I can't remember the defender, the defensive back is running. And Barry Sanders turns him around like three times. The guy's just spinning and then falls over. Barry Sanders is gone. <laughs> it's like, I'm out of here. See you later. Just the best ever. A joy to watch. I can't believe he retired after 10 seasons. But then, do you know what? He was, he was getting nothing out of it. He was getting nothing out of the game. He played 10 years. He literally carried that team to an NFC Championship game in 1991. That was all Barry Sanders. I mean, his his quarterbacks were Rodney Pete and Eric Kramer. No offensive line to speak of. I think at Herman Moore. Herman Moore had a good good season catching the ball. Brett Perryman, I think, also played for that team. Um, defensively, they were they were they were average, maybe slightly above average. But that was it. Barry Sanders carried them to a cha- an NFC Championship game. It's not often that you can see a running back can do that. Because when he's the only offensive weapon. We look at guys today. We look at Jonathan Taylor last year. You look at Derek Henry. Um, you know, the year before that, you had Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. But you look at the success these teams have had. And you see, you know, some of them have been more successful than others. But the, the ones with more success are, are the ones who've got something else. It's not just our running back. Teams can't win with just our running back. Not even Eric Dickerson could do that. Not even Barry Sanders could do that. Carry a team, like, all the way to, to a Super Bowl. Barry Sanders came as close, closer than anyone, taking his team all the way to an NFC Championship game, where he was the only weapon that they had and in that game um so they played washington in rfk stadium i believe they lost 42 to 17 in that game but in that game you if you ever get a chance to watch even highlights from it but barry sanders in that game the redskins are just stacking it they're playing like three defensive backs against four wide receivers the entire game and just stacking to to try and stop barry sanders and it worked as a, as a defensive game plan. can't remember the name of the defensive coordinator. That's going to annoy me now. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry, ranting again. Tan- tangents, more tangents and nonsense. Gentlemen, that was, that was a very good episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You, you, you need to kind of interrupt me and tell me to stop talking garbage. You're not doing it. To, 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 that's a full-time job. No. To, to quote Mr. McGee, we're just living in your world. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much the defense coordinator went on to coach the 
Was it Dave Watts? Right, you, right. Why you Dave just anyway, sorry, sorry, right, okay. Calm down. I was just trying to think who it was. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, this was great. Next week, we are looking at the NFC South. Who that? <laughs> who that, Jake? We're going to be looking forward to that. Uh, Dave, you're not going to just sigh when we, when we say that. Well, I, I, I didn't even realize I'd done that. <laughs> it just kind of fell out there. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, you managed to escape the AFC West edition. So I'd be glad that you did. Um, so and we're going to have to part with you. Well, that's right. We're going to have to put up with the so NFC you, what, West. What, what, what was the gap after just put up with you? That was oh, uncalled for. I that didn't realize I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. Uh, so, yes, there we are. Uh, so uh, next week is the NFC South. Of course, we will be talking about uh, Jake Saints. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Dave. Dave, it's good to have you back. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Um, anything we need to add before we finish up the episode? I think we've covered it all and then some. Okay, well, in that case, thank you very much once again, guys. We will catch you next week. And thank you all for listening to this week's edition of the WinFL Show. <laughs>